All right, everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, June 8th, 2017. Um, the Nefarium has been busy, uh, tragically so, as we've seen. Just review in your mind briefly what has come out in the last week to a week and a half in terms of stories. We had President Putin of Russia hinting that Russian intelligence knew a lot more than it has ever said about the assassination of President Kennedy. We had the terrorism strikes in Iran. And please don't misunderstand me here, folks. I do think Iran, like Saudi Arabia and other uh, states in that region, are official sponsors of terrorism. But nonetheless, Iran has been hit with terrorism. Egypt and Saudi Arabia have broken diplomatic relations with Qatar, and Qatar is another one of these very rigidly uh, Sharia law Islamic states. Turkey, as a response to this, has decided to send troops to Qatar, and uh, Iran has said that it is going to send humanitarian aid because, of course, the Saudis have shut down the border and that means that food shipments cannot come into Qatar through Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have, as a response to the Turks, doing what they have said in terms of pledging support. Germany has indicated it is withdrawing its troops from Incirlik Air Base in Turkey, and on and on all this goes. And while all of this has been happening, folks, um, interestingly enough, we also had the Bilderbergs meeting in Chantilly, Virginia, and I want to bring this article to everybody's attention. If you don't know this researcher, in my opinion, he's one of the best researchers out there. He's very good at dot connecting. His, his, uh, he's a Frenchman by the name of Thierry Maison, all right? And I've linked this article called Confrontation at Bilderberg with you because it confirms some of my suspicions that I've long held about what the agenda might really be here, the very long-term agenda. Now, please don't get me wrong. I am, as most of you know, am not any friend of Islam. However, by the same token, I have said repeatedly that we've got one billion Muslims in the world, and they're not all clamoring to get here and cut off everybody's head. I suspect that what we're looking at is a long-term agenda to kill several birds with one stone, not the least of which is setting up Islam for a fall. And that's why I want to bring your attention to this very, very interesting article about the Bilderberg. Because, as you can tell from the title of this article, Confrontation at Bilderberg 2017, apparently this Bilderberg meeting was a rather stormy meeting with some very deep divisions within it on what to do. So if you scroll down in the article, I want to bring certain paragraphs to your attention in this article before I offer you my own particular high-octane speculation about what I think might be going on with all of this. If you look for the section heading Bilderberg 2017, this is where I want to start reading. 
Quote, the Bilderberg Group has just held its 2017 meeting from the 1st to the 4th of June in the United States. Contrary to habit, the 130 participants were not all defending the same project. Quite the opposite. Following the speeches by Donald Trump at the Arab Islamic U.S. Summit and at NATO, the CIA and MI6 organized a first-day debate which opposed those who are partisans of the fight against Islamism and those who support it. Now, this, in other words, this is a direct admission, as we all know, that the Western powers have been behind, as kind of quiet state and financial sponsors, a lot of this terrorism, all right? So that's quite an admission right there. Now, let's continue. The point was, obviously enough, either to find a compromise between the two camps or to acknowledge the dissension without allowing it to destroy the initial objective of the alliance, the fight against Russia. Now, the Soviet era is over, so ask yourselves, why are they so upset and wanting to go after Russia? And folks, I'm going to give you a clue. It may be unsettling. It may be unpleasant. It may not even fit in your worldview, but I'm going to offer the idea that the reason that they want to go after Russia now is because of the quiet and tacit religious revival, particularly of, of Eastern Orthodoxy, within that country. All right? You have to think that one out and all the cultural and geopolitical reasons as to why this is so. But let me continue with Maison's article. This is very interesting. Quote, on the anti-Islamism side, in other words, those who want to quit supporting this radical element within Islam, all right, as a means of furthering Western geopolitical goals. On the anti-Islamism side that is opposed not to the Muslim religion, but to political Islam, as formulated by Saeed Qutub, we noted the presence of General H.R. McMaster, President Trump's national security advisor, and his expert, Nadia Shadlow. McMaster is a recognized strategist whose theories have been verified on the battlefield. Above all, Shadlow has worked on the ways of transforming military victories into political successes. She is particularly interested in the restructuration of, I don't know where you get the word restructuration, of political movements in conquered countries. She should soon be publishing a new book about the struggle against Islamic radicalism. So in other words, Trump had his advisor there, and the advisor, McMaster and Shadlow, were saying enough of the Western support of radical Islamic terror groups. And as we're going to see later, this figures into Mason's analysis of what Trump's deal with Saudi Arabia may have been all about now. Maison's analysis there, I want to be very blunt, is very different than mine. I am very skeptical of that. Maison is not so, and I'm offering this analysis for you to consider the other side of the story. On the pro-Islamism side, we note the presence for the United States of John Brennan, ex-director of the CIA and incidentally supposedly a convert, and his ex-subordinates uh, ex Averill Haynes and David Cohen, who sponsor the financing of terrorism. For the United Kingdom, Sir John Sowers, ex-director of MI6 and a longtime protector 
of the Muslim Brotherhood. And General Nicholas Hutton, ex-chief of staff who prepared the land invasion of Syria. For France, General Benoit Pougat, the ex-chief of staff for the Elysee and the commander of the special French special forces in Syria. And Bruno Tertre, uh, the neoconservative strategist for the French Ministry of Defense. Finally, for the private sector, Henry Kravis, director of the investment fund KKR and unofficial treasurer for Daesh, and General David Petraeus, co-founder of Daesh. Now, let me skip several paragraphs here, but please note, the real point here is that the major division has now hit home in the Bilderberg group between those who want to quit supporting uh, radical political Islam in any way and those who want to continue to use it as a geopolitical cat's paw. This is the first thing to take away from that. Now, let me skip a few paragraphs and bring to your attention these paragraphs. As a result, while Washington has renewed its alliance with Saudi Arabia, and now we get Mason's take on President Trump's arms deal with the Saudis, which again, I'm not 100% sold on this understanding or interpretation, but it is definitely worth your consideration. As a result, while Washington has renewed its alliance with Saudi Arabia and has convinced it to break with the Muslim Brotherhood, please hear that again, and has convinced it to break with the Muslim Brotherhood in exchange for $110 billion worth of armament, London is pushing for an agreement between Iran, Qatar, Turkey, and the Muslim Brotherhood. So in other words, there's a break between Trump and Washington and London and the pro-Islamic party there in London, all right? Now, we've seen the results because terrorism has come home in a major way in the United Kingdom while Prime Minister May has been fluffing around and blaming the internet for it. So in other words, the policy here has been to use radical Islamic elements to support them at the cost of domestic upheaval. And the Trump administration, I think to its credit, if Maison is correct in his reading, is understanding this in a very different way. We have to stop that foreign policy because it's going to have blowback in domestic tranquility that none of us want. If this project, I'm continuing now with Maison's analysis, if this project were to be realized, we would experience the abandonment of the Sunni-Shia conflict and the creation of a croissant of political Islam encompassing Tehran, Doha, Ankara, Idlib, Beirut, and Gaza. In other words, Maison's analysis is that political Islam would ultimately overcome the traditional religious split between Sunni and Shia Islam, which if you know about it is a dispute over the succession of authority from Muhammad, all right? This new distribution would enable the United Kingdom to maintain its influence in the region. In other words, all of this is about the United Kingdom maintaining influence in the region, and that's why they're supporting political Islam. Now, again, this is Maison's reading, it is not my own, but I'm presenting it to you because I think he may be on to something here, but I don't think he's going far enough in terms 
of the long-term geopolitical analysis, which I'll get to in my high-octane speculation of the day. Next paragraph. The only thing upon which the Allies seem to agree is the necessity of abandoning the principle of a jihadist state. Everyone admits that the devil has to be put back in the box, which means getting rid of Daesh even if some people keep working with Al-Qaeda. This is why, worried about its survival, the self-proclaimed caliph has secretly transmitted an ultimatum to Downing Street and the Elysee. We shall see within the next few months if Saudi Arabia's about-face is genuine. It would be good news for the Syrians, but bad news for the Yemenis, whom the Western world would then ignore. It would offer King Salman the possibility of stimulating the evolution of Wahhabism from a fanatical cult to a normal religion. Now, I have to pause here and wonder exactly what Maison means by a normal religion in this context. Already the sudden conflict with, uh, which opposes Riyadh to Doha on the question of Iran is doubled by an argument about the possible kinship between the founder of the cult, Mohammed bin Abdul Wahab, and al-Qatari al-Thani dynasty, a claim which has enraged the Saudis. Now, I'm skipping here several paragraphs because I want to get to the end of this article. There's four more paragraphs in this very important article I want to bring to your attention. Quote, Russia had already prepared for a potential new deal in the Middle East. Consequently, by supporting Syria, it pursued its ambition of gaining access to warm waters and by seeking rapprochement with its hereditary adversary, Turkey, of being able to navigate freely via the Dardanelles and the Bosporus, indispensable for entering the Mediterranean. However, in the long term, political Islam could only cause it problems in the Caucasus and, incidentally, in the Dardanelles. As always, when the players sort their cards, they all have to define their positions. The United Kingdom defends its empire, France defends its ruling class, and the United States defends its people. In the Middle East, some people will fight for their community, others for their ideas, but things are not always so simple. Thus, Iran might follow the ideal of the Imam Khomeini, confusing the end and the means. What was in the beginning an anti-imperialist revolution led by the power of Islam could evolve into a simple affirmation of the political use of this religion. <coughs> Pardon me. MI6 and the CIA took a huge risk by inviting a non-Atlanticist to the meeting of Bilderberg 2017. The Chinese ambassador, Chui Tiankai, who was scheduled to speak only on the fourth day of the seminar, was thus able to evaluate the positions of each member of NATO as from the first day. Ambassador Chui, who is the director of the Center of Political Research for the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, might possibly be satisfied with the simple destruction of Daesh. But he is not unaware that the people who organized the caliphate in order to cut, please hear this, 
this is one of the most important points to take out of this. In order to cut the Silk Road in Iraq and Syria, and then the war in the Ukraine, in order to cut the new Silk, pardon me, new Silk Road, are preparing inevitably and preventatively to open a third front in the Philippines and a fourth in Venezuela in order to cut off other communication projects. In other words, they're using Islam to cut the Chinese Silk Road project. That's one of the deep geopolitical objectives here. All right. From this point of view, China, which like Russia, has an interest in supporting Donald Trump, if only to prevent terrorism in its own country, will be asking itself about the possible long-term consequences of British hegemony in the croissant of political Islam. That's the end of the article. And folks, I think it's a brilliant analysis. Remember that in the wake of the Brexit vote, I predicted that Britain would seek to cement its Commonwealth ties and perhaps even extend some sort of relationship, different relationship, to the United States. This is an old goal of the so-called Royal Institute of International Affairs, the so-called Chatham House Group, that Dr. Carol Quigley wrote about. And as a matter of fact, in the wake of the Brexit vote, we actually did see an expression of an associate membership status of the United States in the British Commonwealth, and President Trump responded at that time rather favorably to it. So in other words, a big, huge geopolitical game is being played out here. The deepest layer of which that Maison is getting at is this anti-Chinese Russian India Silk Road project that we've been hearing so much in the news. And of course, Britain has joined the Asia Infrastructure Development Bank. So that's the first thing to notice. Then, what I suspect that we're looking at is if you have been following what has been happening now very carefully, we are seeing a, if to, to put this in Islamic terms, we're seeing a stirring up of the old Shia Sunni conflict. Uh, We've seen that terror attack in Iran, which is being blamed uh, most likely on Saudi Arabia or some Sunni Wahhabist sect. ISIS has taken, uh, taken responsibility for it, which again is strange. Is this coming from Islamic terrorists or ultimately is this coming from their Western backers? And Trump sent a message of condolence to the Iranians, which was more or less brutally rebuffed by the Iranian foreign minister. So in other words, what I'm suggesting is that we are seeing two games being played at once, and this is very typical of the way these deep operations go. They're using radicalized Islam perhaps to promote not only an anti-Silk Road agenda, but an ultimate clash within the Islamic civilization and culture itself. And if that clash happens, again, the only thing that will happen is its destruction and the West will be left holding the pieces that remain, all right? So this is a very dangerous situation, folks. It, it, 
to my mind, confirms my suspicion that I've had for many years that the Islamic world was being set up in all of this. And I think we're watching the final pieces come together. Now, Maison's take is the opposite of mine. What he is suggesting, and again, there's a lot of evidence for his point of view, what he's suggesting is that political Islam may be over, and what they're trying to do is move from this radicalized expression, and particularly with the Saudis, to get them to move away from Wahhabism, ultimately, and to a much more what he calls normal practice of religion. Well, that may be the case, but then what do you do about Iran? You see, So something is up here. I don't know whose scenario is ultimately going to play out. Maisons has a lot to recommend it, I have to admit to you folks, or this idea that we're watching a setup of potential conflict that will weaken that part of the world tremendously and leave it more or less the plaything of, of the great powers, which it certainly looks to be right now. But time will tell, folks. This is a very important article. I hope you'll spend some time with it. Uh, there are lots of other ways to interpret it besides the ones that I've just suggested to you. The, the real important thing I take away from it is you've got some real division now within the camp of the West, and the division is between those who want to continue to use radical Islam at the expense of their domestic peace and tranquility and use it even in those situations as a means for grabbing more power, as it appears that Prime Minister May is doing, or those who recognize, I think correctly, that that policy is suicidal in the long run, and we need to move away from it to something else. Very important article, folks. <coughs> I hope you'll spend some time with it. Don't forget, tomorrow we have uh, members vid chat. Um, also, please don't forget, you can listen to these broadcasts on your iTunes. If you do, please give us some good reviews. Uh, I want to thank people for making donations and articles. Uh, please continue that. We are kind of hurting right now uh, in terms of our ability to continue supporting the extra bandwidth and everything and research. Uh, for me, I've been involved, incidentally, in, in the last two weeks reading up a storm uh, I'm getting ready to start writing in a major way on one of the new books next week. So everything is appreciated. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you, ever, everybody, on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.